Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss Extinction Agenda Part 7. Uh, this one's Uncanny X-Men number 272 on sale January of 1991. Uh, well, actually, that's the cover date. The on-sale date is November 6th of 1990. Still, that's confusing. Uh, cover price is a dollar. We're up from 75 cents. When did that happen? This one's titled Capital Crimes. Haven't they been a buck for a while? Don't we normally pay attention to that stuff? Did we already cover that at some point? <laughs> Probably. I feel like we're getting into the dollar twenty-five territory pretty quickly. Doesn't that happen with X-Men 1? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. It's like, everybody's buying this comic. Let's raise the price to a buck fifty. So Wolverine's at buck seventy-five, I believe, at this point. Yeah, well, he's on higher quality paper. Right, right. This cover is also the cover of the Extinction Agenda trade paperback or hardbound or whatever you want to call it. It is, but they they retreated it. Like they re I don't know, inked it or maybe recolored it or maybe both. Yeah. I think both. Um I'm sort of doing a, a side by side and I feel I like the, the inking's the same. I feel like the inks are the same, but it's definitely uh been recolored. It's much more um dark. There's moody. shading in the coloring, which is yeah. interesting because usually the inking is the shading. Yeah. But here you have inking is shading plus coloring is also shading. Yeah. And then you start looking at like cable's bionic arm and it's got all sorts of colors to signify the silver. Um, yeah. it's a pretty good cover. I don't know about Angel's face, but everything else is pretty good. I think I like the original better. Angel looks like he's like getting ready to take a dump there. <laughs> Wolverine's claws are coming right up through his crotch. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good cover. I want to know, though, the thing on Cable's ear, which is cool, sort of reminds me of, um... Like Robotech equipment, like I would expect uh, one of the Robotech characters to have this on their ear, because this doesn't seem to me like a normal uh, cable accoutrement. It's a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a gun. It's like a gun cell phone on his ear, or a uh, or a mini disc player so with so headphones. So to me, it just feels like uh, as Jim Lee was drawing, this is like, ooh, it'd be so cool if he had this on his ear. <laughs> Or he was like, oh, man, that, I just drew a terrible year. How do I cover this up? <laughs> I know. I'm going to turn it into a gun. Hey, that works. He's got like a gas mask on his on his little chest and then like a laser tag gun underneath his uh, armpit. What, his uh, what his is, gun has a little like back targeting thing. It's got a little, there's a circle, which I assume is for ammo, coming off of the bottom of it underneath mm. his arm. Not sure what that is. It looks like a little spaceship, actually. Yeah, I was wondering if that was, like, attached to his hip or if that's just, like, some crazy ammo clip. I think it's attached to the gun based on the coloring of the original comic. And I guess the the new cover also has it the same color as the gun. Let's put it this way. Cable's got a lot of guns, and this one particular gun that he's holding, the largest gun, if you will, seems to have many barrels. seems to have, like, five barrels. It does. It's also got an. I'm realizing now there's an ammo belt. Yeah. Uh, so this this gun has an like some pretty large 
bullets that can go through it. Yeah, I'm not sure if the ammo belt is feeding that thing that looks like it's clipped to his uh, his hip there, but... I think so. Yeah. Needless to say, um, Jim Lee likes to draw guns. One of these barrels is a scope. Oh, sure. So maybe... Maybe two of these barrels are scopes. <laughs> so many scopes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we learn in the book, it's not really drawn here. One of Cable's eyes is bionic. Didn't we learn that last issue when Hodge tried to rip out his bionic eye or something? Well, it'll be painfully obvious that he has a bionic eye this issue. Okay. Because we are basically going to do everything we did last issue, but better. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, let's let's jump. It's a good cover. I put this on a shirt, and I'm buying four of them. Yeah, this is definitely a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, t-shirt worthy cover. And uh, we open it up. It's written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Jim Lee. Scott Williams is the inker. Joe Rosas and Glennis Oliver are our colorists. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. Bob Harris is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the editor in chief. And Adam, you'll never guess who's back. Is it? Manoli Weatherall? It is Manoli Weatherall from the non-existent NPR TV. Now it's NPR TV News. Uh, doesn't she specify that it's the vi- the video division or something like that? Maybe I'm just making that up. Somewhere in there. But yeah, she's, <laughs> she's catching us up. She's recapping us with what's going on. And she also reports that the X-Men are also in tow. And they had recently uh, been thought to have been slain in Texas. And the caption tells us that Manoli would know because she was there. And all this had me thinking about was, can we see them on camera yet? Yeah, I didn't really think about this on this particular read through. So I'm going to be watching for that. I but, don't think there's any images of them on camera in this issue, but it it, it just begs the question. Like mm-hmm. we're getting all of these shots of she, uh, I guess, an NPR person is interviewing various uh people in the real world and the marvel universe and uh i would i'm curious to know if these cameras were to swivel to some x-men would they be cameraable i don't know for that matter when when um cameron hodge in the last issue was watching wolverine and gene gray mm. make out in the cell was it just gene gray making out with herself yeah it should have been yeah I think we're done with that. <laughs> that just disappeared. It just disappeared. That's disappointing. I'd really like just a throwaway line, and, and maybe it comes at the end of Extinction Agenda of when Wipeout restored all your powers, now everybody can detect you. But as we'll learn in this issue, that's not what's going to happen. I honestly don't remember what happens. That's why I didn't put a spoiler warning there, because uh. I, I, that, I don't remember how things end. But in this issue, uh, Manoli or, or the, the, the man on the street with the camera who's doing some interviews talks to Suzanne Gaffney. Adam, do you know who that is? No. Do you? Me neither. I thought maybe it was a editor at Marvel um, because they, I don't because she has something dumb to say. Like, Genosha, that's some new Japanese restaurant, right? So I had to assume it's like somebody who's actually... Um, I'm looking it up as I'm talking. That's why I'm kind of talking sort of slow. I'm looking it up as well. And apparently... She's she's an editor at Marvel. Okay. She's had one appearance in Earth 616, and it's this issue. Yep. 
You're probably looking at the same page as I am. <laughs> is the direct counterpart of Suzanne Gaffney, editor yep. at Mar- Marvel. That's the one. All righty. Uh, Reed Richards is there, and he's like, hey, I know the X-Men. They're okay. I They're can't, all right. <laughs> I can't believe it that, you know, any of this is happening. And sounds like they killed a child. Well, Genosha killed a child. Right. And then a man whose name is probably Frank Castle. It, I would have to assume so based on what he says. It's definitely the Punisher, right? He's like, and you got to wonder, like, where are they finding these people? Like, it makes sense to, I guess, have Reed Richards and we'll find Emmanuel DaCosta soon and Jennifer Walters, the She-Hulk. But why would they just grab like this random man from the back alley who's got like a thug hat on and a leather trench coat? Excuse me, excuse me, sir. Sir, do you have a moment to answer a question for uh, NPR TV? Well, okay, I guess so. First of I'm all, on my way to do some serious punishment, but <laughs> I got time. First of all, what is your name? And second, what do you think of the Genosha X Men thing? Well, I'm not going to tell you my name. And if those mutants are guilty, they deserve the appropriate punishment. <laughs> now get that lens out of my face before I make you eat it. And then, Definitely something the Punisher would say. <laughs> Amanda, I'm not going to tell you my name, but I might say something about punishment because yeah. I'm really into punishment. Just to give you a little clue of who I am. You might, Punisher. you might say that the Genotians are the Punisher of the X-Men <laughs> who deserve punishment. No, I'm not the Punisher. I gotta go. <laughs> Emmanuel gotta go. DaCosta, who is estranged from Sunspot, is that right? I believe so, yeah. Uh, because he was working with the Hellfire Club mm, at right. some point. I'm like, I have no comment. Lucas Hamilton, who's that? He's a teacher, according to this. Okay, so he's not like some depowered Marvel superhero? I am looking it up right now, and the Marvel Wikipedia has nothing. Lucas Hamilton was as interviewed by Manoli Weatherall about the X-Men trial at Genosha. According <laughs> to is, w- what appearance? Wikipedia, he is not black as he's depicted in this issue, and he's a cyclist. Born in nineteen ninety same person. Born in nineteen ninety six. I'm pretty sure it's the same person. Oh yeah. That's definitely not the same person. <laughs> you sure? He races yeah. for Australia, so this checks out. Unless he races backwards in time, which is possible. <gasps> well, there's the Flash, right? Yeah. So he. Uh, so he. So he's the Flash. We figure it out. <laughs> he's talking about slave society would go into any lengths to smash well, the one force capable of challenging its supremacy. Uh, so he's he's the he's here to make our sort of slavery parallel, which is fine. Yeah, which is which is you know. Legit. I just wonder it's, uh, it's obvious. why they didn't grab Luke Cage. Uh, he even know. knows the X-Men. Yeah. I, I, what is Luke Cage doing right now? I don't know. I'm this not... feels like a character that Chris Claremont wanted to pull into the issue, or maybe it's like a, it has a real-world real parallel that is not coming up on the internet anymore. <laughs> I'm guessing there was either a real-world counterpart... I don't know. There's got to be a tie-in because everybody else here is somebody. It'd feel weird to like just throw some random guy in here. Maybe he was. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little deeper searching here while you talk about She-Hulk. And then we got She-Hulk, which is of the six. This is my favorite one because um, I always like it when She-Hulk shows up because she does. She always does the lawyerly things, and she's basically says here, "I w- I uh, I'm planning to go to Genosha and represent the X-Men. I've applied for a visa." And uh, I'm sure, given a fair trial, I can get them out. 
which is a very She-Hulk thing to do. But of course, that quickly ends with uh, Manoli Weatherall cutting in to say, Attorney Walter's request has been denied by the Genosian Ministry of Justice on the technicality that since she was never admitted to the Genosian Bar, she's neither qualified nor competent to practice law in that country. Lame. That seems illegitimate. But So yeah, the, the two resources here uh, that I'm finding uh, seem to validate that he is just a random black teacher. Uh, and has only had one appearance in the Marvel Universe. That's a bit, it's, it's really strange. So either he's a guy that Chris Claremont knows and that could personally, be cool. sure. or he's a character that Chris Claremont wanted to fold into this for some reason. So this issue is called Capital Crimes, and we flash our attention now to a courtroom in Hammer Bay, Genosha, where a judge is calling upon the the defendants here put them on trial i guess it's the bailiff actually and in attendance we've got iceman sunspot archangel marvel girl cyclops beast cable cannonball banshee gambit psylocke wolverine and in absentia forge because as we know forge is in a deep sleep right now yeah and it's sort of uh so i thought we talked about him maybe faking being asleep (laughs) Yeah, there was uh, there was some sort of talk about how Cyclops and uh, Forge worked out a plan where if they get captured, Cyclops or uh, Forge is going to go into a deep knockout sleep so that they won't be able to use him somehow. Yeah, and this he, he's too valuable a resource to be captured. Right, and this issue goes a little bit further to say that he is he's in a bit more than just a deep sleep, but it's still pretty vague as to like what's happening with him. Cyclops says, you've got no right to do this. We're American citizens. And this is kind of a neat thing. This is an old Chris Claremont pull where the bailiff is like, really? Because we did some digging in and we can't find any identities of you. And Cable's like, hey, Banshee, what's he talking about? And Banshee's like, well, we uploaded a virus to the CIA that deletes (laughs) every trace of the X-Men and any of their uh, affiliations upon the reference of them. Cable's like, oh, so as soon as I hooked up with you guys, I got deleted? And he's like, yeah. I feel like that's something a time traveler would know or be prepared for. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew about it. I just didn't know it was going to work so well. At this point in, in my New Mutants career, I have not revealed that I'm a time traveler. <laughs> so I'm still pretending to not be a time traveler. And I just I exist know. and everybody knows me. I know. I just think it's funny knowing what we know now that Cable would be uh, surprised by this. I like it's a nice touch because I'm... I'm I'm hoping that you remember, right? This all goes back to Fred Duncan, Fred Amos Duncan, and that one issue in which Rogue, or was it? Carol was, Danvers. It was Carol Danvers and Wolverine had to fight Rogue to get to the computer to upload the virus to erase their, essentially erase their Fred Duncan files. Yeah, it was cool. It's good stuff. It's a good callback. And it's a, it's a cool callback. Yeah. I sort of wish Cable was, instead of saying this, he was saying like, well, I had my own thing that erased my identity anyway, so... Right. I guess that's okay. Right. Or he's just like, well, and I just got here from the future, so it's no wonder they don't have a record <laughs> of me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the, there anyways, they're like, so where whatever your nationality is, you're on Genosian soil and subject to our laws. So should we be keeping track of any time that uh, some other group keeps track of an X-Man as well? <laughs> I suppose, right? If... Um... I mean, we're not gonna. 
and no, we won't. But if somebody calls up a a, a, a computer record of the X Men in a yeah. government computer and it returns a result, then we know that we're due a no prize. <laughs> Did the X Men work out a deal with the Avengers where the Avengers files don't get affected by this? Oh, for sure. The Avengers files are completely sealed and and guarded from the X-Men or from the uh, government. Same thing with the Fantastic Four. All right. So they all have their own set of files. Oh, absolutely. Valuable information about the X-Men. Big old firewall around them. Okay. So the judge comes in and is like, all right, well, let's do this thing. Here comes the judge. Here (laughs) comes the judge. Here comes the judge. With him is mutate number 20, or as we know her storm. Hey, y'all. She doesn't say that. <laughs> no, she does not. This reminds me of, what was that? Um, I was just singing the Here Comes the Judge song because it's from that episode of that show. Remember the show with the, the my like it's like my daughter, the android or something like that? That's not what it's called. Are, but, are you talking about, um, oh, the robot's name was Vicky, right? Could be. Small Wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I don't know, but oh. it sounds right. It, the, there was a boy. There's probably a boy. All I, like, literally, all I remember is this one episode where a judge comes in and he's followed, much like Storm, and and uh, he's followed by an android, much like Storm, and the android is singing, "Here comes the judge, here comes the judge," and it was awesome. And that's what this reminds me of. Oh yeah, small wonder. Here comes the judge. It's on YouTube. Evidently, really? there's an hour and three minute loop of it. Excellent. Ah. <laughs> uh... And this is why YouTube is a valuable resource for its hour and three minute long versions of Here Comes the Judge. Yeah. I used to watch that show and it was so low budget. I feel like I must have watched it, but all that's all I remember about it. And I also remember the avocado song, I think, or asparagus, asparagus, asparagus from Elf. Well, where the uh, the kid from Elf has to sing a song about being an asparagus. And uh, asparagus, asparagus. <laughs> Comedy just writes itself. I, I know. I, and, I, and I think the uh, episode is about how he has stage fright and Elf helps him out. Yeah. But we'll get to that in our other podcast. Yeah, the dark side of Willie coming soon. Yep. Coming soon to a computer virus near you. So... Marvel Girl, Jean. Are we, we're Jean done Grey. calling her Marvel Girl, aren't we? Because that's sort of... Marvel Marvel Lady? Sort of, right? Marvel Woman. Sort of down Marvel Man? <laughs> hey, Marvel Girl. I think she's still... Well, she, okay, so she's she's not Phoenix. No. She's I think she's just Marvel Girl. I don't know. Like even, I think even today she's Marvel Girl. Yeah, well... They should change it to Girl of Marvels. Because, <laughs> I mean, Invisible Woman used to be Invisible Girl. But she had a name change, whereas a Marvel girl I don't think has ever had a name change. No, I feel like as soon as we get to X-Men 1, they just call her Jean Grey. They don't, they I feel don't. like she is Marvel girl in the in the current run that we are reading on the Patreon. But I That's probably that. true. But that's probably a nostalgia thing. Yeah. Anyway, she says, uh, oh, who, let's see, uh, looks like he'd rather be defending mass murderers. Uh, that's yeah, what so Scott says. And then she's he, in the Genosian eyes. That's who we are. Yet they feel no remorse about what they did to storm and rain, turning them into cursed mutates. They are talking about the, uh, 
appointed counsel for the X-Men. And that's when Wolverine's like, I'm sorry I couldn't stop that from happening, darling, but I'm going to make these bitches pay. Look out, Wolverine's loose, says a mustachioed man. <laughs> he kind of looks like Saddam Hussein. <laughs> uh, magistrate, stop him, I think the judge says, or maybe the bailiff. Or maybe the counsel. I don't know. Somebody says it. Uh, Wolverine is bound, so he can't get his claws out. He can't get his fists out. But that doesn't stop him from doing, like, jumping kicks and, and and stuff. So it's a pretty awesome kick, but in real life, I feel like it's totally ineffective. Oh, totally. Because, like, he knocks out three guys with one kick. Absolutely. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, no. But it's awesome, right? So he does that, and uh, the judge is like, Mutate number 20, protect me. And she does. She does a wind blast, throwing uh, Wolverine in through a wall. She says, Hadouken! (laughs) And launches him against Uh, the wall. That was funny. (laughs) And so the chief magistrate comes out, who we've seen before. I think, is this Alex's girlfriend? or just? I think so. Is her name Anderson? I think so. And she she beats the crap out of Wolverine. She karate chops Wolverine and somehow does not hurt her hand even though she knows she says those bones of yours wolverine may hit like solid steel bars but the rest of you is flesh and blood and then she hits him in the chin which is a bone you can't hurt what you can't hit and then she elbows him in the throat and that's okay i'll I'll kind of accept that and then kicks Um, him in the face which you can kind of accept that too he's probably got some some nice shoes on but you're right i think she would have broken her hand with that first uh crack against the chin Unless it's a swipe to get Wolverine to, to dodge, and Wolverine's just dodging. Mm. This yeah. is all very anime now that I'm looking at it, actually. And then she cracks him. Yeah, well, you got those like um, those like wind lines or just the action lines that are... Like I'm imagining anime voices in this, and Wolverine's going like, Hi! <laughs> and she's talking like really fast in a high-pitched voice. Yeah. I'm not going to do an impression because it would probably come off as insensitive. I'm going to do an anime impression later when we get to Gambit, so I'll save it for that. Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> You've heard it before. Oh. <laughs> Everyone has. Um, so somebody, I don't know who, because this isn't the judge, but she says, I'm empowered by the state president to offer you mutants a choice. You can either go on trial, and while it will be free and fair one, have no illusions of the outcome, because really it's not free and fair. You're guilty. Yeah, it's like, why bother <laughs> saying that? <laughs> uh, as our laws are written, your very existence condemns you. So on the one hand is certain death, or, and Marvel Girl jumps in, we become your slaves. Yeah, she's like, and we're not submitting to that. She's like, yeah, don't you want to do that? And she says, no, none of us want to do that. So then the judge says... I think I speak for us all. We reject your offer. The judge is like, well, then I have no choice but to... Uh, put you in Commander Hodge's um, authority, which is weird. <laughs> like, okay, wh- why? It's like, what happened to the whole trial? What happened to the whole... Right, so they're not... Yeah, they're not going to do the trial. They're they're being sent to Commander Hodge to be tortured, which just seems like... Um, how are they going to explain this to the public? Anderson... We're going to call her Anderson because I'm pretty sure that's her name. She says that, that's her name. Uh, he, the judge calls her Anderson. She says you speak as though you actually admire these criminals, Anderson. Right. She says no Mr. less Anderson. than I really, uh, no less really than I expected. To Jean's like we reject your offer. So th- there's maybe some respect of like yeah I wouldn't do that either. Uh, yeah. I maybe. Mean, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so the judge is like, he doesn't even like say, okay, well, pound my gavel, you're guilty. He's just like, okay, Cameron Hodge, you can have him. Off to Hodge with you because you, uh, you magistrates clearly cannot keep the X Men from attacking us. So we're just going to send him to Hodge. Yep. And he sings a song, What a Day, What a Day, for an auto def. And I don't, is this a song you, you recognize? Nope. I was going to skip it because I don't know what it is. And he doesn't even finish for an auto def. I'm going to Google it. What a day <laughs> for an auto def. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And then he stops singing and we go to the next page. Oh, it's a song by Bernstein Can- Candide. Can- Candide. I- it's 1974 Candida or Candida. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing the song. This, is a, this is definitely a Chris Claremont pull. An auto de fe was the ritual public penance carried out between the 15th and 19th centuries of condemned heretics and apostates imposed by the Spanish. I actually have to click the link to finish this Portuguese or Mexican Inquisition as punishment and enforced by civil authorities. It is most extreme form was death by burning. No. And apparently the song is from Candide. Okay. Can't say as I know them. Can't say as I'll remember that. Can't say as I'll listen to the song. Which I guess is a play slash movie from 1974. So in Cameron Hodge's torture chambers, most of the X-Men, except for, you know, except for Psylocke, Gambit, and Cable, are all bound up. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. I mean, are they? Maybe they're in the process of binding them up. Yeah, I mean, there's a gun trained on Cable. A um, couple people sort of milling about Psy- Psylocke and Gambit, uh, but everybody else is tied up. And it looks like Forge is in like a like a hexagon prison. Or well, well that's just the reflection of him. Like, if you look directly above that, he's being held oh, by Cameron Hodge. Oh, okay. All right. And so... He has ripped off all of his bionic parts. Man, I missed that. I saw I saw Cameron Hodge. I saw all the people. I saw Forge in that little prism thing. I didn't actually see Forge above it. <laughs> so I, I'll say I was exactly in the same spot where you were at, but I took one step further and I was like, wait, where is Forge <laughs> in this scenario? And I happened to spot him in the middle and I was like, oh, that's not easy to spot. It, Even though it's right in the middle. <laughs> it is literally the middle of the panel and like the hardest thing to see for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I sort of just assumed that he was like in in that prism thing and it was just like a weird yeah. contraption that Jim Lee had come up with that didn't make any sense. I was trying to figure out the exact same thing and I, <laughs> I feel like I was lucky that I noticed him directly above it. So evidently, while all of this is happening, you can kind of see it in the background. Uh, Cable gives Gambit a look. And they both spring into action. Yep. Sorry, Hodge, I'm not in a performing mood. Gambit's good. He picked up my his cue to back me up just like we planned this. Pardon, yeah, your pardon, Sherry. Poor man's got enough tin bits already. Can't have you adding any more. And he kisses Anderson. Pity there's no time to do this proper. But I can Is tell you're Anderson? probably not in the mood. Perhaps next time. Well, maybe not. It's a woman. I don't think that's Anderson because she's be. got white hair. I think this is the white-haired lady that... Uh, is I don't think Alex. she has white hair. I think her hair is just not colored in this panel. Well, fair enough. But Anderson mm-hmm. has a hat. Oh, okay. If you go back to the previous page, Anderson has a beret. So I get that they're like in trouble here, uh, and they're trying to like orchestrate a breakout. I find what Gambit did there to be a little problematic. 
<laughs> so let's go back to the nineties. <laughs> Doesn't this matter. This sort of thing, this sort of thing that permeated itself quite a lot in modern action cinema. And, uh, you know, the, the idea is we're painting, uh, Gambit as a roguish, let's even say James Bondish sort of, uh, near do well, piratey, suave, sophisticated, I don't want to go so far as to say ladies man, but um yeah. Yep. This is the type of thing that titillates. Oh, so say. so it's okay. No, it's not okay. <laughs> okay. It's like one of those, you know, I'm giving you one of those warnings that you get before like racist cartoons nowadays where they're like we don't want to we a, don't want to eliminate tr- this from existence, but it's wrong. <laughs> a, a trigger warning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we gave That's it after the fact, but well, you know, we're just a crappy podcast. We're not a major corporation who has to worry about this shit. <laughs> That's true. Never let it be said that that this podcast isn't woke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are so woke. Anyways, uh, so Cable says, grab a gun, Gambit. Without our powers, we'll have to use their weapons. And as they're kind of getting these things in place, I feel like the exact same thing that happened in the last X-Factor issue happens here where Cameron Hodge grabs cable and i feel like it's the exact same pose only jim lee drew it better because it's at a more of a front angle yeah Um, well we just see uh cables kind or i guess cameron hodge's point of view of cable but at a cool dynamic angle yes and it looks to me like cable whips around and is about ready to shoot hodge in the face but he's got that same sort of like legs out front like he's he's squatting in the last issue but with the dynamic pose you're like oh cool looks like he's kind of swinging into action to be fair the comic knows this though and and hodge says correct me dear darling if i'm wrong but haven't we already danced this fandango needed another lesson <laughs> yeah i'm fine with all that but i just feel like maybe jim lee saw that and he's like ugh. I'm going to do this better. Guess so. Keep trying till I get it right. I well, don't know why my cable voice is Wolverine. Uh, Cameron Hodge grabs Psylocke's like, well, I'm not even going to move. You can shoot me, but you'll probably shoot her and she'll probably die. Is it worth it? Is she worth it? Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm betting the bullet will totally go through her brain and into my face. <laughs> and Cable takes many panels to eventually drop his gun and decide that he's not going to do this. And drat drat and bother i so wanted to see the look on your face cable when she died and i didn't and then he fires a bunch of things and gambit dives in and keeps cable from getting hit too badly yeah yeah uh cameron hodge rips off uh cable's bionic arm and through that um gambit jumps in and takes a spike to the leg his bionic arm is still on. He's got spikes in his bionic arm now. Oh, I thought he got ripped off. I don't think so. I mean, or... it's in the next panel. Okay. So so if it got ripped off, he reattached it very quickly. Okay. Which I'm not saying it didn't happen. Hmm. But, but I don't know how I misinterpreted that. It sort of looks like that little energy uh, uh, signature there in that fourth panel makes it look like his arm got separated. And then the that rest would have been of his cool if he only had half an arm for the rest of the issue. Right. And then like the arm in my imagination, which I'm thinking you're right and I'm wrong, uh, is just sort of dangling half like some wires and stuff behind cable. But I think you're right. It's just got some spikes in it and it's fine. He just stitched me good instead of clipping my bionic arm. I owe you. 
There's no need. Team looks after its own. May we? <laughs> oh, and you know what it is? Uh, he I says. Myself laugh. He says. Um, one might almost be duped into thinking pathetic creatures were actually human, but I know better. Your bionics make you dangerous, Cable, just like Forge. And that's when Silex says, his arm. And I think that's was like, oh, his arm got ripped off. And then she says, good Lord, his eye. Right. Yeah, but she does make you think that he's ripping off his arm and his eye. Although, do we see Cable? No, we see Cable on a couple pages and he still has his arm. So... I don't know what he's doing. And Cameron Hodge says, best be rid of them. So I, and then the next time, the very next time we see Cable, which is on the next page, he's got his eyes closed, which sort of makes it seem like that one bionic eye was ripped out and they're just not showing us the gore. But I guess I don't remember what happens beyond this. But then on the following page, Cable has his arm again, which makes me, I mean, who knows about the eye? We'll probably never see but he definitely has his arm reattached. Maybe it's a very fast-growing bionic arm. So maybe you were right the first time, and he did lose his arm, but then he grew it really back, and then Cameron Hunt ripped it off again, and he grew it back really fast again. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Psylocke begins to panic, and she says, Please, no more, please, not Vermeer. Oh, I beg you, I can't bear this. Please, have mercy. Forgive me, Cyclops. And she looks at Cyclops. Pay attention. She's looking at Cyclops. Cyclops is looking back at her. This is the subtle details of Jim Lee. I accept the chief magistrate's offer and freely mm. submit myself to the gene mod process. Yeah, this is good on a reread because you, you start noticing the things that pay off later on. Yeah. It's a good uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee working together. <laughs> Don't get used to it. <laughs> uh, you know who couldn't pull this off? Anyone else. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, certainly not Rob Liefeld. That's where I was going, but I think your first answer was correct. Not many other people. It takes a good writer-artist team. Like I like I, I wouldn't put it past like John Byrne sure. uh, and Chris Claremont working together, um, Silvestri and Claremont working together, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, Neil Adams working with Neil Adams. It's a top tier level play. So Havoc shows up and he's like, Whoa, whoa, you can't have her. She's submitted. She's in the gene engineer's hands now. And Hodge is like, Ooh, you're making me so angry. I'll get you. Because Hodge is smart and he immediately thinks, This is an awfully convenient change of heart. I don't buy it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, yeah, Alex is like, Well, you got to buy it. Yep. You got no choice. I take it up with the judge. My authority, my responsibility. Take her away for processing. And the others, unless they follow Psylocke's lead, guys, follow Psylocke's lead. They're to remain in your charge. Guys, follow Psylocke's <laughs> lead. I can get you all out of here. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nothing. Okay, well, all right, they're yours. And so... To do with as I will. As between you and the judge. But there's no order in the world that can force me to watch. And he walks away. So Cameron Hodge grabs Wolverine and Angel and he's like, you two hate each other. So fight. So you should fight. Beast, Beast says, last time we were in this kind of mess when mm. was when Magneto had X-Men prisoner, uh, had the X-Men prisoner in Antarctica. He was a bad guy then. I was an Avenger. No such team as X-Factor. Just the X-Men. I like how Beast is just telling us like past stuff. <laughs> it's kind of neat. <laughs> I guess both Jim Lee and Chris Claremont were like, we don't have anything for Beast to do. Let's have him do some <laughs> exposition. 
So Sunspot's like, well, how'd you get out? And he's like, well, Storm picked all the locks. And they're like, well, that's not going to happen. No chance of that now, her, with her transformed into a mutate. What about Wolfsbane? They haven't heard. Uh, that's beside the point. <laughs> We're talking about Storm here. Get get with the program, Sunspot. So Cameron Hodge is like uh, sort of applauding Apocalypse for his malicious genius, but he also kind of hates him for upstaging uh, him. But he's like, no matter. I'll improve upon it. Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back a second because there's a cool beat here where Banshee says, if that's really Psylocke, mm. uh, well, Beast says Wolfie vouches for her. So it's kind of cool that, like, I guess this was probably one of the first issues I read, so I didn't know what any of this stuff was about. Sure. So it's kind of neat that they're, like, still referencing the fact that Psylocke looks like a completely different person. And Banshee says, he ain't exactly in top form, boy. Just look at him. So I feel like we're still calling back. It matter who she was. I feel like we're still calling back to that, that thrashing back in X-Men 251. Yeah. I mean, they just in the last issue of X-Factor, he was like, ah, I'm pretty beat up. My healing factor isn't working because the, the, the wipeout guy turned it off and I wasn't even done healing from the last thing. Stupid Siege Perilous. Wait, <laughs> I didn't go through that. Dang it. So Cameron Hodge is like, all right. This is going to be fun. You guys are going to, you're all going to have front row seats to it. And apparently he's got like a cool little, like that thing that Forge was showing up on is now a camera in another room that oh, Cameron Hodges okay. uh, able. Well, no, I guess he's still in the room because he's in the background of the next panel. He just likes this little six-sided monitor to show off whatever yeah. evil. There must be like a floating camera or whatever those things are called. A, a Vizzy Flyer or a, what, what was it that was following uh, Lady Deathstrike around? Oh, I don't remember. In the Sylvestrian Green Days, it had a, it was a, like little camera thing and it had a cool name. Oh, well, I can't remember. Uh, and yeah, and then so he's like, uh, have you noticed how these two really don't like each other? Uh, they both hated first sight. Warren told me once from the moment that low, little, low, little, low life, red rough knuck creep. Say that fast five times. Made his entrance. By putting some major moves on Miss Jean Grey. <laughs> what do you think of that, Cyclops? I got some I got some footage that I want to show you. <laughs> it's Jean Grey making out with herself. <laughs> because you can't see the man. But he's there. Uh, by putting some major moves on Jean Grey. Something else these stalwarts have in common. Unrequited love. How sweet, how sad. Fight. <laughs> so Archangel's like Wolverine I can't control my wings and Wolverine's like oh man uh, I don't have my healing factor so if I get hit by one of those I'll go down for the count you know what's really weird is he's not even trying to stop his wings I think he's out for blood I better kill him or get really close so then they have this like really kind of uh, cool sort of red background black silhouette with yellow highlights fight and it looks super gruesome but when we see them next, it it isn't. <laughs> it looks super gruesome because the background is red. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, that that I mean, it's a cool effect. Uh, it just makes everything look a little more intense, just because they they have a good background color. Wolverine does say that losing his powers has weakened the boy's control over his wings, so he doesn't entirely blame Angel for what's happening. Yeah, I know, he, I know. He is he is clearly out for blood. 
Simple choice. Either I take out Worthington's wings or his life. But some choices, while easily made, are not so easily carried out. We see in this super gruesome looking fight that really has no payoff. And Cameron now this Hodge. This is what I call a fight! Cameron, that's what Cameron Hodge says. <laughs> Meanwhile, the kids that had escaped Richter, Boom Boom, and Jubes, as we're now calling her, I guess. Yeah. Uh, are, are in an alleyway. Jubilee has used her fireworks to get the skin suit off of Boom Boom. I think. Which seems like a bad timing for this. It's like, <laughs> worry about this later. I think Boom Boom's now naked, but just has uh, Jubilee's yellow trench coat. She's wearing Jubilee's yellow trench coat, which makes the next thing that happens even make no sense where Jubilee says, Your turn, Richter. It's like, then what is he going to wear? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not even like. Oh, we found these clothes, or we we punched these people out, and we have a plan. It's just like let's get these skin suits off, and then figure out what we're going to wear for clothing. Yeah, never mind this, the modesty aspect of it, but like you don't want to be yeah, like, running the, around naked be because X-Men run around naked all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, you're in Genosha, you're running from the law. You, you'll stand out if you're naked. <laughs> Somebody, exactly. Somebody's going to notice. Um, so Rector's getting ready, but he's like, oh, oh, "Hold on!" Or Boom Boom, I think says, "Put a hold." Put it on hold, Jubes. We got company. It's the gene engineer. What brings him here? And why alone, even though there's a mutate with him? And uh, gene engineer's like, begin tunneling, mutate. Anderson, Moreau, we're in position. We'll initiate phase two within a half hour. And that's when we'll be in Hodge's bunker. And so rather than attacking, they're like, all right, well, let's see what these guys are up to. And now Boom Boom has, like, her skin suit on for boots. And I think she's she's just got a trench coat on, so she's like a stripper or a flasher. Pretty much, I mean, <laughs> she is. She's got gloves and and boots, both which are the skin suit, and then she's basically got a trench coat. So, yeah, she she's. This absolutely she, seems like it could have waited. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of weird. Because now she's probably cold, and like when she starts fighting, she's gonna be like, "Ooh, my god, my coat keeps opening." Like, whose idea was this? <laughs> a terrible idea. I really got to get this skin suit off. Oh, and somebody so... else should have been like, "This is not the time." She's like, "I got an itch, and I just can't get it." Can somebody help me get this skin suit off? Maybe there was a better plan of like, you know, I, I think I can use my fireworks to just just sort of peel it back, and then we'll be fine. You can put it back on, and then she just went too far. Yeah. Well, let's go with that. Like, there was a really good plan, but it just didn't work out. Which doesn't make any sense that she would now then attempt to do it again with Victor. But anyway, yeah. well, let's just ignore that she, bit. She's like, uh, in her head, she's like, well, okay, I practiced on Boom Boom, didn't work. So now I know what I need to do on Richter. She is doing the creepy, I want to see Richter naked smile in that panel. She is a teenager. Yeah, I mean, you Rick, know. Richter's hormones. a good looking guy. So. Yeah, not my so, type, but. No. Who is Adam? Who is? Um, John Hamm. Oh, it's a good-looking man. Yeah, I hear a lot of people think he's a good-looking man. He's got a nice chiseled chin. All right. You know, I've never seen that show. Really, that's a great show. That's what people say. I highly recommend it. You've never seen Lost, and you've never seen Mad Men. Those are the two shows that I own on Blu-ray. Yeah. Those are they're both great shows. Let's do let's do a podcast where we talk about Mad Men and Lost. We'll alternate episodes. Ooh. And you don't watch them and I'll just talk about them. Oh my god. And you you can ask me like questions and stuff and try to predict figure out if you can see what happens or to try to guess what happens in the future. Yeah. 
based on my uh, plot descriptions. I'm not and your your savvy knowledge of how script writing works. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, Wolverine and Angel continue fighting, and this is when Hodge is like, "Man, it's taking too long. No one's dead yet, or even me. It's boring." Perhaps it's time then to indulge in vengeance against someone else. So many victims, so little time. Wipe out. This is, and he. So this must be the camera that he's using in order to t- transport himself into the screen that the X Men can see. But now he's doing it into uh, Wipeout's office and appearing as Doctor Moreau. Mm-hmm. Would you so, please come to my office? I have a matter of importance to discuss with you. And he's like, "Yeah, I'll be right there, Gene Engineer." Don't doesn't doesn't anybody know that he has these cameras? Or maybe <clears> is he just these are like secret cameras that no one like these are not modified like these are not cameras that have been modified by genosha these are secret cameron hodge cameras do you remember there was a movie it was made around 1981 i want to say it was called uh i think it was the empire strikes back i think that's what that movie was called and um there was a guy young back then he has a line where he says something like this deal keeps getting worse I've heard, I've heard of, I've heard of such a thing. Yeah, I feel like that's what's happening here. Is that Cameron Hodge is the Darth Vader of Genosian's Cloud City, and they made a deal. And uh, who, who's Lando Carizian? Uh, Just all of Genosha. Uh, Genosha. <laughs> well, let's go with. Um, oh, let's go with Gene Engineer because we know okay. he's he's about to he's about to go back on the deal. I mean, spoilers, but uh, oh, and by the way, in in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Lando um, double crosses his friends. Yeah, but he's sort of forced to. Spoilers. He's kind of yeah, definite spoilers. I mean, sorry, really. <laughs> but he's he is sort of forced to. Like I always feel like Lando got the bad rap. He was just trying to help his people out. Just trying to look out for his little mining colony. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he. It's he not was working his. With, it's fault. working with a bad deal. It's, yeah. it's definitely not his fault. Well, it's not his fault that his uh, smuggler friend brings the Empire on their backs. The Empire were already there, so what it's could true. he do? That's true. What could he do? He probably didn't even know why the Empire showed up in the first place. He was like, wait, what are all these Empire people doing here? And, and they basically strongholded him and were like, hey, so this Han Solo guy, he's coming. And uh, probably didn't even say that. They probably said, "Hey, man, if you cooperate, we'll be out of your hair." Will you cooperate? He's like, "Yo, any, anything." And then, then he finds out that a town soul, and he's like, "Oh man, man I gotta sell him out." Keeps getting worse all the time. <laughs> Teal just keeps getting worse. So I feel like that's the camera on Hodge angles. Like he showed up on Juno. She's like, "Hey, you know, want to help?" I got this great plan to capture the X Men. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. And they're like, "Oh, that sounds great." You know, we've heard of you and and your troubles with Angel, and and we don't like him because of his affiliation with the X Men. What is it you need? He's like, "Well, I need a laboratory and privacy." And they're like, "Okay, that sounds good." And through- also, you need to build me a body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. So his head Cause, sort of because I'm a head right now. <laughs> We never really find out like how his head ends up on this giant robot body. That's true. It's like does he does he mail himself to Genosha? I believe that a bird, let's go with one of those uh pelicans, okay. uh found him on like the beach, picked him up, uh and then flew over to Genosha cuz there's really good fishing in Hammer Bay and realized that Cameron Hodge's head doesn't really taste all that good and Cameron Hodge is immortal and spit him out on the on the banks of 
uh, Hammer Bay when Gene Engineer was taking a walk and he's like, hey, are you Cameron Hodge? <laughs> are you Cameron Hodge's head? <laughs> he was like, yeah. And first he started freaking out and screaming. And then when he settled down, he's like, oh, can you help us get the X-Men? And he's like, yeah, give me a laboratory and a body. I was born for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. Sounds sounds accurate. Anyways, uh, so Gene Engineer's, or uh, sorry, the wipeout is on his way to a trap. Uh, the magistrates are walking Psylocke down to to wipe out. I think right. Some uh, gene engineer maybe to to be to be yeah to be gene engineered yeah to be turned into a mutate. Which mute is this? Identifies herself as Psylocke, but the physical profile doesn't match. So we get another one of those references, which is nice. I was like in universe references, and she says, "Quite true. I'm nothing like the woman I was." And then she kicks everybody and punches everybody. And uh, somehow, oh, somebody shoots her, which frees up her cuffs. And And uh, by all means, take your best shot. She punches them all out and she crawls through the um, ductwork, at which point she says, as Jubilee would no doubt say, eat your heart out, Bruce Willis. Which is a great line. And you can't cut out the first half of it where she says, here I go, alone, armed. Facing impossible odds, crawling through a ventilation duct. As Jubilee would no doubt say, eat your heart out, Bruce Willis. Which is my favorite line from this comic. And a, the, the one line that I remember from reading this comic book in the 90s to today. I always remember this panel. Yep, okay. like, this is awesome. It's a good line, good art, good everything. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't want to take that away from you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to take it away from me. So how- it's even smart that she says, as Jubilee would no doubt say, it's like not it's not even like she just says, eat your heart out. Bruce Willis. She says, as Jubilee would no doubt say, which is character building. And I think Jubilee has actually said that. No doubt. <laughs> I have no doubt. So Cameron Hodge and Rain are walking to the Gene Engineer's laboratory uh, and Cameron Hodge hacks into the computer, ties into the CPU and finds out, like, ooh, Gene Genius, he's planning a double cross. Well, can't let that happen, but I'm busy right now, so I'm going to deal with this. Naughty, naughty, Gene Genier, a plot against me. And so... Yeah, I can't let you get away with it. Wipeout walks in, and uh, Gene Genier shoots him. Afraid not, Tubby, I tricked you up here. Any objections? So meanwhile, uh, Cyclops says, it's time, Gambit. Paying off the look. Uh, you deliberately took that. Oh, no, wait. That's not the look. Well, Cy- that, that comes later. Gambit says, Qui? <laughs> Q-U-O-I. Cyclops, like, what? What? Uh, wah. I, I think it's like, wah. Like, Qua, wah. What? Qua? What? Qua? Qua. Right. And that's Qua, Cyclops? <laughs> Cyclops or makes the sort of reveals the whole plan of Cyclops should have made her move by now, which means it's your time. Your turn. You deliberately took that that spike Hodge fired, figuring rightly, since he's the kind who will never pass an opportunity to uh, do any harm of us, he'd leave it be. Storm told me you were good. She said the same of you. A thief par excellence. So now I'm to prove it. And this is uh, 18-year-old or however old I was. Loved this. Like, it was like, this is so cool. He, Gambit pulls his legs up. 
which is not easy to do. No, his... it's actually not a very good drawing because his arms are like twice as long as they normally are. Yeah. But anyway, he pulls his uh, his legs up to his mouth. He using his mouth, he pulls the spike out of his leg. He positions himself, drops the spike in between his feet, catches it, then flips back up his legs to pick the lock upside down. Well, Beast and uh, Banshee look agog. Uh, Beast looks agog. Banshee looks like he's sleeping. Banshee's just checking out his ass. I ain't got time for this. <laughs> oh, check out the check out the glutes on him. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. You must work out, laddie. Boyo, you'll have to tell me your secrets. I've been working on that for years. Moira tells me I'm just a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> you, you are prime rib. And he picks the lock and says, beat that, Stormy. And that's when Jean Grey says that glance you gave Psylocke. She signaled me, actually. Whatever, whatever she had in mind, I hope it's working. <laughs> yeah. This is the one part of the plan that's like, they're just taking it on faith that everything's going. But I guess that's what you do. So uh, I I like this. Like everything comes together. And uh, I like it because it's more of like, we've got nothing else to do. I got to look, which means she's up to something. So if I do yeah. nothing, I squander the chance. If I do something and it fails, I'll probably just end up in the same state. So yeah, I don't know. True. Let's give it a 15 hard count and then go. Yeah, you're right. So, and so it all everything all pays off, and it's 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 smart. Yeah, so it feels, it feels like this is a good good writing issue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, there's Wolverine and Archangel have to be taken care of. Cable, you help forge Beast cover our rear. Everyone else, follow me. And then we get Alex walking into the Gene Engineer's office because he also has been summoned by the quote unquote Gene Engineer and discovers wipeout shot dead by an ultra energy plasma bolt and then rain pops up in the doorway and shouts murder i know rain he says be a good girl although he should be saying subject four zero whatever be a but good anyway, mutate find be me a some good backup. girl will you call me some backup a full homicide team hurry masters the killer is still here and she points at alex and havoc murdered white master wipeout i saw it that's crazy she's lying and the magistrate's like, that'll be determined by a proper investigation. Assume the position, magistrate. Summers, you're under arrest. Dang. Elsewhere still, uh, the magistrates are escorting Storm. Oh, this is, uh, they're with Gene Junior, right? They're in the tunnels? Uh, no, I didn't. I, this was unclear. So this is Anderson. Uh-huh. She's she's not with Gene Junior because okay. Gene Junior called Anderson before he entered oh, okay. Hodge's lair. I don't know what they're doing, but I guess I guess they're trying to avoid Hodge because they say it'd be helpful, Chief, if we knew what we're supposed to be watching out for. And then uh, Hodge shows up and says, I suspect, Master Jolie, she means me. So whatever they're doing is the uh, phase two of whatever the gene engineer is doing in Cameron Hodge's lodge, uh, lab. We don't know what it is, though. And you know what? She's right. Anderson says, showing your true colors at last, butcher, because Cameron Hodge shoots a couple of the magistrates. And then she starts barking out some... Spike guns. She starts barking out some orders. Stay close to me. Stay on my 20. Follow my lead, no matter what. She doesn't say stay on my 20, but that's pretty funny because uh, Storm is uh, number 20. Uh, And she's on her 20. Yeah. I I don't know what that means. But you're right, it is Storm. 
I'm only reading still- half the words, Adam. Okay. I figured, <laughs> but it's still funny. Hodge says, uh, uh, actually, I was thinking the same about you. Treason Chief Anderson is a capital offense. A crime I'll gladly commit to save my country from the nightmare you have planned. My dear women, I merely seek to fulfill Janusha's true identity, which means whereby the scourge of mutancy will be eradicated from the world. I ask you, is that so awful? And Psylocke shows up and she says, Ask a Nazi! Better yet, ask their victims! This is an awesome panel of her come busting out of the air vent. She's got a machine gun. She's blowing everything away. Bullets are flying everywhere. Yeah, it's good stuff. Anderson says, Psylocke! She says, I can't kill him, but I can make him pull back to protect his mechanical components. Take Storm then, says Anderson. I'll hand her up. And uh, she collects Storm into the vent, the air vent, the duct. And she says... Uh, that she's not going to help Anderson out because she doesn't, her hands are full and it's her bad luck. And Anderson says, well, you have a prayer of survival without me. I have the key to the restoration of your powers, which is true because somebody better because white is dead now. <laughs> I'm supposed to believe that and trust you. If you don't, it's over for the X-Men for Genosha. Is that what you want? Also earlier, um, Cameron Hodge says, I knew you were faking referring to Psylocke. Nobody ever listens to me. <laughs> this is fun. Um, it's interesting that I guess it make it makes sense that uh, Cameron Hodge would kill Wipeout because he doesn't want Wipeout to ever have the opportunity to restore their powers. But it is kind of weird that he like never got his forge plan finished before <laughs> he he did that. I yeah, I just feel like these poor writers are like, jeez, I, I, I don't. Let me put a line here get to the end of the issue be like, oh man, I forgot to touch up on that. Maybe they'll hit it in New Mutants or X-Factor. It seems like the Forge plan is not being touched upon at all. It's almost like it didn't have to happen. Because it was a Warlock plan, then it was a Forge plan. How did Wipeout fit into all this? Wipeout just removes their powers. I don't think Forge's powers have been removed. I thought there was a line in there of like, he's got his powers... Okay, maybe. I don't remember. It's, maybe not. I guess we'll find out when Forge wakes up. <laughs> I, I bet you we won't. Yeah, or they'll, they'll just <laughs> skip it. Just skip right on over that. Meanwhile, in the fighting pit of, of Wolverine and Angel, uh, Jean comes down and she's like, stop it. <laughs> Basically, uh, you two are friends. Um, Back off, Warren. Fold your wings. Genie, no. He'll kill you, too. Reach to the man within your soul who fought for you if apocalypse has changed. You have the strength, Archangel, to be one with the promise of your name. A beacon of light capable of shining through the darkest shadow. I know it's hard, but I know you can do it. And that's all it takes. And he's like, oh. Then the fight's over. And she is tenderly holding Wolverine, and Psylocke looks down in something that I feel should be more meaningful than it is. Because why wouldn't she be tenderly holding Wolverine? But Psylocke kind of, looks like he's jealous. Psylocke? With Cyclops. Cyclops. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. I probably did say Cyclops or Psylocke a number of times. It's a problem when you have Psylocke and Cyclops. Well, she it's says hard. In, a, in a tender moment, in a tender panel, she's like, as for you, bub. Sign for sore eyes, Red. Hold fast, Logan. I'll see you home safely. Oh, and Cyclops with his misery. It's Cyclops with his super hearing can hear all that. Uh... This would be a far better panel if it was a bit more zoomed up on Cyclops. Because even at quick glance, you, you might even just assume that this is Iceman. 
That's true. Because it's the same costume. He doesn't have his goggles on. So this should be a close-up of Cyclops being like, hmm. Actually, when did they switch to their X outfits? Because wasn't Cyclops last in a skin suit? <laughs> oh, man. He was in like a, yeah, he was in a mutate suit with like a like a really dumb chrome helmet. Yeah. Did we comment to look like RoboCop or something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he shouldn't be in this outfit at all. No, I want to say that Cameron Hodge, uh, no, I guess it wouldn't have been, it was before the, I don't know. It is, it's a good thing we have spare X-Factor suits lying around. Yeah, I thought a number of these folks, well, maybe it was just Cyclops, I don't know, but either way it doesn't make sense. Uh, Anderson shows up and he's like, 20, there's your target. Take him, your initial target. Take him. And in case nobody knows who he's talking about, Beast says, Cyclops, she means you. Yep. Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, says Cyclops. And so Storm unleashes a hurricane gust that Cyclops can't withstand. Uh, Storm gets... Sucking him towards him, her, her. Yep. She gets real close to him, grabs his head, and I guess strikes his eyes with lightning. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but whatever it happens, it gives Cyclops his power back and also gives Storm her, well, she Storm didn't ever, didn't lose her powers, but, um, yeah, gives she's her, an adult now. Her mind, is she an adult? Yeah, she's, she's a full grown adult. <sighs> I am once more myself in mind, in spirit, in body. Oh, I didn't catch I'm not, that. I'm not sure how that works, but you know, the gene engineer, he said he had, he was doing some stuff some modifications to the usual gene program and um, the gene modification program. And apparently he made it so that Storm could act as a wipeout and give people powers back. And also that action would bring her back to her adult self. So I didn't read it that way. (laughs) I'm guessing because I don't, this is bizarre. Well, this is like solving all the problems in one panel. So uh, when she says, I am once more myself in mind, spirit, in body, I took that as more of a, you know, a typical Chris Claremont body and soul. I am myself again. Not, but this time it has literal meanings in that in mind and in spirit and in body are all literal. Yeah, I get it. I mean, but I don't know. I don't. Fancy. Uh, I wish it was a little bit more explicit, right? So you see, like, my eyes, my deadly eyes, they're burning. But that isn't all that's happening. In fact, far from it. That scream from Scott, he's in agony. Storm's shining so brightly, it's impossible to see. Logan, Archangel, help me. I've got to do something to kind of help them. Which is also funny because Logan and Archangel are, like, dying on the floor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Help me, Logan and Archangel, not Beast, who's right next to me and is actually fully functional. Yeah. Your assistance is appreciated, Gene, but unnecessary. Storm, I am once myself in mind, in body, in spirit. I know, because I know X-Men lore, that this is her transformation from a child into an adult. But I think you could read this page and not come to that conclusion. I uh, think that the other help helpful tool uh, with figuring that out is the cover. Oh, yeah, why is that? Cover, in the cover... More so than in this panel, she is definitely an adult. I don't. I don't agree. And the only reason I don't agree agree is because Jim Lee is known to draw some very curvy, uh, voluptuous 
13 year old characters. Yeah. But I don't know if you go, if you look at all of his previous storms, they're very, she's very short as a child, uh, different shapes. I mean, you shouldn't have to do like an analyst comb to figure this out, but you're, you're right. And that is not a hundred percent clear. All I'm saying is, is it's clear enough. Like if, if 16 to 18 year old Adam could figure it out, then I think it's clear enough. I feel like I don't think I ever figured that out in this issue. Um, I feel like there's a a line, probably in New Mutants or X Factor, where they're like, Storm has been returned to her original age. Um, I guess all I'm saying here is I would have liked to have like like a growth panel. <laughs> so, yeah. that, so you see Storm kind of like, you know, like little Storm, medium Storm, big Storm, just all in one panel. That would have been helpful. Yeah, and then you'd be like, oh my gosh. And then even dialogue of like, but that isn't all that's happening. In fact, far from it. Something else could be happening there, and you'd be like, "Oh, okay, Storm's an adult." Because I'm sure I did. I know I did when I read it for this podcast. I read through this, and I didn't realize that this is the moment that young Storm becomes old Storm. She's in the foreground, so naturally she just looks taller. So there's no scale here to make it look like you know she's an adult. She could just be a, a child in the foreground. I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's clear that she's an adult. But again, I'm not I'm not arguing with you. Like it's open to interpretation. Adam, I don't agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, all I can say is that as a kid, I reread this in the previous issue a lot, and so I knew during this reading from my childhood that this was the moment that Storm becomes an adult. So I don't know. I I I'm I agree with you that additional context tip tools could help um but it's kind of also is like you know we always say show don't tell so i don't know just that one little panel that little growth panel is that showing and not necessarily telling i feel like it's enough but i also agree with you that maybe it's not enough and i guess it just depends (laughs) well maybe adam you're just saying that i'm simpler than you well we all know that (laughs) no Fair enough. Anyways, Psylocke says, clear the way. She's got two guns now. And she says, trouble's right behind. Did my best, chums. But some folks, let's face it, simply won't be stopped no matter what. How totally considered they all to try this mass escape. Such a shame the attempt will fail at the cost of the course of your lives. So step up, heroes. Who's to be first to fall? Actually, Hodge, that privilege has just been reserved exclusively for you. And he shoots... Uh, Hodge with his optic blasts. Anderson shows up and she's like, my deadly eyes. If I open my <laughs> eyes, even a fraction, she's like, oh, I brought your visor. I understand. That's why I brought your Ruby Quartz visor, uh, which we also had. We were, we were holding on to that for some reason. We had an I don't extra. Know how we, I don't know how we got it. Everybody's got an extra one of those, Adam. The X-Men <laughs> do, X-Factor do. She specified that it's his. So she's been going through his luggage. Yeah. He must have brought it with him, and that's how they. Uh, he had like he had a suitcase. So as they were as they were sneaking in, disguised as mutates, they had a suitcase filled with their clothes and their gear. Well, you remember as they landed their little X Factor New Mutants hover planes? I think Beast was carrying like a big suitcase. Did we ever figure out what that was? It was be- it was all the extra costumes and the well, yeah, I mean, that's what we're saying what it was. But did we ever figure out like on panel what it was? I don't think so. 
Okay. I feel like whoever put that together was like, yeah, we're going to have them set up like a beachhead with a bunch of tents and take positions. And then they just didn't do any of that. It was the map that Cyclops and Cable share. It's an awfully big box for this man. <laughs> well, I got to protect it. I uh, love this panel of Cyclops's eyes beginning to uh, kind of sparkle. Uh-huh. It's uh, I feel like it colored my imagination as a child and uh, affected a lot of stuff that I drew as a kid. Sure. My own character, Captain Zenith, when he takes his goggles off, his eyes look like this. And I'm realizing now that it's because of this panel. Was there any reason for Captain Zenith to wear a visor? No. I think I just thought it was cool. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> So the next two panels are Cameron Hodge being like, this isn't over. But what I really like about the second to last panel is it kind of looks like Cameron Hodge is wearing a party hat. Yeah, it does. <laughs> nasty, nasty. You got your optic blast back. What a surprise. Nice shot. Two best I've ever taken. Unfortunately for you, nowhere near quite good enough. Now, muties, for the last time, it's my turn. We get a extreme close-up of a very evil-looking face. Now his both of his glass lenses are broken. How can he see? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to be concluded, in New Mutants 97, X-Factor 62, and in 30 days, too many mutants are whose school is this anyway? Uh, and nothing will ever be the same again. What are we going to do with all these X-Men? Make action figures out of them," said Iceman. After was it Iceman that said that after the uh, the initial giant size adventure, or was it Angel? I don't remember. Somebody said that. That's so long ago. What are we going to do with thirteen X Men or something like that? I don't know. It all comes around. Uh, yeah. So we got some. We got some letters. We did. We got at least two that I know of. Close Shave Xavier says, I remember the early 90s. These Extinction Agenda issues of Uncanny X-Men and New Mutants were 15 to 20 bucks a piece in back issue bins and mail order catalogs. I believe that. Which I, which I think is why when we saw them at the Norwood Comic Shop for like cover price, yeah. in, in backing boards and plastic sleeves, we were like, we need to buy these. Yeah, yep. My friends and I couldn't afford them, so there were always a mystical quality about this particular event. We were able to read X-Factor issues and spend untold calories imagining what we were missing. In retrospect, Extinction Agenda lost some of its shine after I eventually read it. Honestly, I think Executioner's Song is a better ride. I've never read that one. So Ex- Executioner's Song, I believe, is the thing that got me out of comics the first time. Oh, Okay. Because it was uh, well, he goes on to say it's bombastic and convoluted in the best possible way. I'm, I my memory is that it was the worst possible way, but I'm I'm curious to uh, I'm curious to revisit it and see if it drives me as out out of comics as it, as 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 now as it did then. Uh, yeah, I I quit comics. I quit comics. <laughs> it was today. It, yeah just today no it was it was it was definitely it was before executioner song and i feel like you know as you do when you're sort of a recovering collector of something you check out like well what's happening in that scene and i feel yeah. like i picked up an issue of executioner's song and i was like this art is terrible and then i put it back down 
So it's the same thing like Extinction Agenda where it goes through four different books. So I think it's 12 parts instead of nine parts. Oh, good. So yeah, the 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 art in X-Men and Uncanny, I think, is good. And then I don't, I couldn't tell you about the other two. He goes on to say, uh, with merely 10 issues remaining of the Claremont run, have you ever considered a retrospective episode? Maybe rank Claremont's story arcs, maybe rank the artists during the Claremont run, solicit listener feedback, create a poll asking these questions, same questions. People respond well to that kind of stuff. I feel like we have a new applicant for our social media director. Yeah. Can we hire you? <laughs> yeah. We should do all of those things. The question and is... By, and by hire you, there is no pay, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and yes, Lost was a great show, maybe the greatest of its era, ending and all. Jeremy definitely missed the boat. No pun intended on that one. You know, you probably don't even know what that means. I, I don't. I know there's an airplane. Oh, wait. <laughs> I feel like they get on a boat and they paddle away. And then they get washed back on shore. I don't know. There's, There's actually quite a few boats in the series. Okay. Um, but there's there's Penny's boat. That's the important boat. So when I when Lost was on and it was all the rage, I we didn't watch it. Uh, but I would go to the YMCA and jump on my elliptical machine. And I'd see it kind of out of the corner of my eye on one of the TVs. And I'd be like, that looks interesting. That's, I could definitely say that. It definitely would look interesting from afar on an elliptical. Uh, there was one episode I think I, I caught where they're, like the big fat guy was going through his lottery numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that, that, that looks like right up my alley. Yeah. And then I didn't watch it. a good it. show. Yeah. I feel like that sort of thing. It's, it's up your, it's certainly up your alley. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know if it'll ever happen, though. I mean, it's kind of too late. You sort of like, yeah, it, it's become a part of the culture now. So all of the all of the, the things that would be new and exciting and all the discoveries uh, wouldn't be there because you kind of already have them, even though you don't necessarily know that you have them. It would kind of like be being like watching The Simpsons now Oh man! for, I... the, for the first time. You could be, be like, I know all this stuff. Why do I know all this stuff? <laughs> I uh, I could I could I could keep watching The Simpsons over and over and over and over again. Well, yeah, I mean, it's part of our culture at this point. <laughs> but it's kind of funny to see some of those older episodes, and you're like, I bet you there's kids that have no idea what they're talking about because you know the references are 25 years old, 30 years there, old. There are kids that have never had life without The Simpsons. I I know they're so lucky. It's- uh all right jay says about flashpoint the uncanny me the uncanny x-men number 271 danger room number 321 great episode just wanted to follow up on one part when cameron hodge is talking to Psylocke and refers to the big guns being typical for the x-men women i don't think he was being literal maybe more like referring to how the female x-men tend to have more firepower or be more powerful overall just a thought Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, they certainly they certainly do seem to be more powerful. So, yeah. Could be. Yeah. 
Well, okay then. If you would like to get in contact with us, uh, you should. You should visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Danger Room Go. Email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, subscribe to us, leave us some feedback, leave us some stars. Uh, or go out to patreon.com slash dangerroom, uh, which hasn't been updated for a bit because we've been so focused on the Extinction Agenda. But we'll get back to it uh, pretty soon, in fact. As we wrap up Extinction Agenda, we'll sort of go back and forth, or go back to our original format of one new, one old. Uh, our theme music is... Uh, provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld, and we don't have any backup issues because it's Extinction Agenda. So, if you want uh, close shave Xavier to uh, become our social media guru and do some Chris Claremonty stuff, let us know. Yeah, I mean, we're not opposed to any of our his ideas. Um, we just, uh, you know, we're lazy. <laughs> no, they're, they're they're all great ideas. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I would like to do all this stuff. I just know that I'm not going to. <laughs> well, I feel like you'd, you'd come up with um, Dark Phoenix, uh, and I don't know. I think it'd be a toss-up between... Days of Future Past. That's a small arc, but yeah, that's that's up there as well. Yeah, it's an important arc, though. Yeah. And then for... Art- a movie out of it. For artists, I think you would go uh, John Byrne, John Silvestri... Or Jim Lee. And I know I'm leaving some people out, Dave Cockrum and others. I think I'd go Sylvester and Green, to be honest. Although the Jim Lee, um, whatever his anchor name is, uh, Scott, Scott Williams. Williams. Yeah, this is some, some tight stuff. And uh, you got to give it to John Byrne. Like, that's, that's, really, that's the, like, almost the, 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 the fever pitch. I don't know. And we're missing some other big heavy hitters too, but I, I can't think of their names right now. Rick Leonardi. <laughs> he was probably my favorite collab. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe maybe what I would like to suggest so that we don't have to do the work and we can crowdsource this thing is, dear listener, uh, email us, post us, tweet us at all of those things that I gave you of, of ARCs your favorite arc or just all of the arcs you can recall let's let's assemble all of the arcs collectively that we recall uh and then yeah and then we can talk about them and and whatever one we're forgetting about adam will be like yeah the x sentinels were great that would be a good idea because if we end up doing a chris claremont retrospective episode we're just going to end up winging it oh yeah so if uh we have like a lot of feedback from you people you folks the listeners um then we could make this a very uh, listener-focused uh, episode. And we'll read all of your letters and we'll comment on all of your stuff. And we'll make it about you and Chris Claremont at the same time. So, uh, 10 episodes, 10 issues. Start put your thinking hats on now. Thinking hats, yeah, thinking man. caps. Send us those things via those various social media things. We'll start aggregating them. And on our last Chris Claremont episode... Uh, we'll 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 do a retrospective of of whatever data points we've collected, based and, solely on what we get. And if we've got nothing, well, then that's your fault. And we'll say like, well, I don't know. Short. <laughs> I guess Who's Chris, Chris Claremont. I'm like, uh, who knows? But Jim Lee, he's got the future of the X Men in his hand. Oh yeah, it'll be his forever. Yep, no doubt about that. All right, Adam, you got anything else? I do not have anything else. Neither do I. 
Until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. (laughs) 